Okay, but once again, though, let's get back on subject here. Mike Valeni is your father figure. No, he is not. You love Valenti. Like, remember, you were swaggerjacking some of his his bits. That's who you get your swag off of. You're not a father figure. Let us be your sports father figure on our podcast with swag on SoundCloud and iTunes at WHUTs after further review. After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. He is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. WHT's after further review. Once again, taping in the studio as I gotta go out of town. Gotta just again, we needed 22 games and we only had 21. And St. Ursula Academy in Cincinnati said, Hey, we had you on the schedule and you ghosted us. And then we said, No, you ghosted us. And then we said, Hey, let's uh, make a makeup date. And uh, we made it for uh, this Saturday coming up. So it was supposed to be in the studio this Saturday, but obviously some things came up so i'll be down in cincy against the uh, sister school of saint ursula but right now we have david the man of god harris and frank vashner here on the phone lines and david once again you are here and guess what we are now back into winners and losers and i am excited and waited to hear your thoughts on the divisional weekend yeah so winners and losers will actually lump a little bit of the wild card around into this for the first winner, which is okay. the Kansas City Chiefs. Dominating fashion, both against my Pittsburgh Steelers, even though let's not forget that the Steelers had a lead in that game. But when your offense can't really get up, you know, can't stay on the field and Toledo's own, Deontay Johnson can't. Life, and you know, it's hard to win games. But the Kansas City Chiefs in what was arguably the best game of the divisional round against the Buffalo Bills and Bills Mafia in overtime. <laughs> like, when this team is clicking on all cylinders, when they find the rhythm, they are the best team, irregardless of record. Because you have to find ways to slow them down. They have so many weapons. They have weapons that you don't even know about that just come off the bench and can easily get six catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown. You just never know who's going to beat you any given night. So, second winner for me, the San Francisco 49ers. This will tie in to one of the losers I have. Coming up, but just the way that they really have been in a surviving advance mentality since January 9th, when they had to win to beat the Rams week 18 to get into the playoffs. And we're we're definitely going to talk about the 49ers Cowboys game when they get to the loser section. That was just hilarious. But 
this team is really built around their defense. And when you don't have a quarterback, which I still don't trust Jimmy Garoppolo, regardless of what people say, I think this team is really predicated on this defense. And when they're playing well, last year they were obviously hurt. So that was a big indicator as to why they ended up getting Trey Lance. But now that everyone's healthy, another year of experience, Debo Samuel really having his breakout year, and alongside George Kittle, of course. Like San Francisco is a is going to be a tough out in this conference championship game this weekend. Well, yeah, they've been playing really good football. I mean, I, I'm they've really turned it up. They've gotten hot at the right time. Um, I, I really think beating the Rams toward the end of the season. It was a propelling victory, and and the Cowboys, the Cowboys did things that the Cowboys normally do, and that's usually choke when it comes to prime time. So, not surprised by that. Um, but yeah, I know you don't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo, but somehow he finds a way to get the W's. Yeah, and another guys get the next winner, the Cincinnati Bengals. Again, the weakest of the four teams by far that are left. Like leaps and bubs. Honestly, they were the weakest team in the last in the division round. But when you get a favorable matchup against a Tennessee team that, let, let's just be honest, this is why Ryan Tannehill got all the flack that he got in Miami. Like where people were questioning whether he was actually a good quarterback or is he just kind of a glorified game manager. Like that game was for the taking. And again. Give credit. He played to win the game. Cincinnati did what they needed to do. They took it late. But that game was for the taking. And Cincinnati took advantage. And, again, it's probably going to come off as, you know, my one hater of the week, and that, that's fine. I didn't think they would beat the Raiders with, you know, all the pressure of not winning a playoff game, all the home intensity pressure, all the expectations. And people are going to say that you know Joe Burrow is you know, the savior incarnate and it was the right decision to choose Jamar Chase over Penae Sewell, even though we saw last week if you if Joe Burrow gets hit nine times a game, he ain't going to last in this league, which is why we got hurt in his rookie year. So let, let's just pump the brakes on those expectations. You know, great feel good story, but Kansas, you have to go to Kansas City. So yeah, that's true, and it's just, it's tough. It's tough. Go keep going. Now switching off to the losers, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And part of this is the, the memes have gone out all week. Like, that game was scripted for Tampa Bay to win. Tom Brady was supposed to have this magical come-from-behind victory, supposed to rally the team late. Like, the league did anything that they could. The Rams at some point were like, look, we we know the script. We know Tom Brady's supposed to win the Super Bowl every year. Like, so for them to have all the expectations, be at home against a team that, yes, they're predicated more on their defense and their offense, but really didn't look like they were any close to really winning that game. Like, that, that's a big letdown. For the Buccaneers, and then also the Green Bay Packers. Now, I think that was a big loser right there. I, I thought they would do more. Like, like I understand 
you know, age, injuries, everything. But Aaron Rodgers in those in these kinds of close games where it's one possession the majority of the game, when it's low scoring, it's a dogfight. Usually Aaron Rodgers pulls something out of his keister and goes on a rally, and it just looked like he couldn't do it. I don't know if it's just the culmination of just annoyance over the season or, like, what the kind of fallout in the aftermath in Green Bay will be. But it just it just looked like there was a little bit of, like, not ums in the, from the Green Bay Packers in a way that you would have expected in what seemed to be a better matchup for Green Bay than had they played the Rams. Or had they played um, even the Cowboys, just thinking about that matchup. like, And granted, San Francisco has been able to really cycle Aaron Rodgers because of that defensive pressure. But it just looked like he was off. Were and my did, last loser, we're, we're going to talk about this because it's hilarious. Dis- hey, were you disappointed? Well, were you disappointed that Aaron Rodgers lost? A, a little bit. I was just wondering. Oh, oh, because I think kind of the expectation going into the divisional round was, okay, Rams, Buccaneers, it's going to be close. It's going to be a defensive struggle. But, again, you have Tom Brady, who the, the league knows how to script victories. And then you have 49ers and Packers. Okay, you have the two quarterbacks. Green Bay's at home. Aaron Rodgers finds a way. Like, they, it was – it was being orchestrated and kind of the gears were falling in place for it to be Tampa Bay and Green Bay. You know, the bat- the battle of the Bays, see who goes <laughs> to the Super Bowl. And I remember, by, I remember back in the day when the battle of the Bays was with like the two worst teams. Yeah. Yeah, and then, you know, Green Bay gets a franchise quarterback, Tampa Bay gets, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time gets a little defense. But yeah, it's just not, not the matchup that heading into the conference championship weekend you would have expected. Right. And then and then the last loser, the Dallas Cowboys, just because it's fun to talk about the Cowboys. And in in my years of watching professional football, college football, like two minute drills, zero timeouts. You never run in the middle of the field. Like you, you learn that in elementary, middle school, like junior varsity. Mm-hmm. Like as like my minimal time playing quarterback, like situational awareness, like for his rating in Madden twenty three is gonna be like two. Mm-hmm. Like if you recognize time now, had he hit, you know, the whole controversy of hand, you know, hand the ball to the referee. You know, would that have made a difference, like a second or two? Maybe. But if you're scrambling and you're getting all these yards, you have to know, hey, your wide receivers are down the field. They have to run that. Your linemen have to run up to the line of scrimmage. You have to get set. That takes a second or two. Then you have to spike. Like, all of these things are factoring in. So if you are a quarterback, you have to – have that mental awareness to be like, okay, I can only do so many things. That's why a lot of people say, you know, in minute or less, 
teams driving down the field unless, you know, you're Kansas City at the end of the first half against Pittsburgh where you can just, you know, air it over deep because you have players that are faster than everyone. Like, eight and out, eight yards and out, nine yards and out. Like, stay close to the sideline so that you can use that to your advantage, slowly working your way down the field. And then maybe take a shot or two when there's, you know, still time left on the clock, not scrambling in the middle of the field, sliding to get that extra yard and then having to scramble. Like, like that is the most Dallas Cowboys way to lose a playoff game. And honestly, that's worse than the Tony Romo box, box snap. Like, that's going to go down as worse than that. Well, if I can add something about that uh, Cowboys game, I mean, just kind of do some situational awareness. And also, I have to nominate Mike McCarthy as a loser and Dak Prescott for blaming it on officiating. I'm sorry, it was not the umpire's fault that that the ball didn't get set. You put yourself in that on, in that situation. You got to know the rules. Clock's hot in that situation. And 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 the umpire has to go and set the ball before you can snap it. This isn't backyard football where you're just throwing around with your buddies. There's rules you got to play by. And if you're going to bitch and moan about them, you got to know them first. True. Yeah, and, this, yeah, and even thinking about what um, Sean Payton said earlier this week talking about the Cowboys game, like, he's like, He's got to slide a little quicker. Like he's talking about what he would do in that situation. It's, you know, throw a pass and then get down quickly. Like Dak has to slide a little quicker, get up, and then ball has to go to the umpire. Like, like it's just the small things that in those crunch times you don't think about because it's just so kind of second nature is everything's happening so quick. But it's those tiny mistakes that separate the good teams from the great teams, the great teams from those teams that are legitimate contenders for the Super Bowl. And so, yes, it was easy in that game to blame the officiating, even though there were a lot of calls in that game that were, like, if he wants to blame the officiating, the officials would be like, hey, you guys did this. But yeah, it, the officials are always escape games. Well, yeah, and that's and that's the sad part about it. The game, though, there's so much stuff that goes on in the game that only a couple plays that happen. And you got to remember, officials are also human. But just because some a bad call happens, there's there's 60 minutes of football to be played, and you're gonna blame the official because of something that happened. Just like with the overtime thing, you got to get it done when you need to get it done. Get it done in the moment. You can't always be blaming the officials. Don't let the. I always tell players that I coach, no matter what sport. Never let the game be decided by the officials because you're not going to like the outcome. So do what you need to do to execute, and then you don't have to worry about that. Because if you put it in someone else's hands, you're not probably not going to get the results. Just like if you're competing for a championship and you don't win the big game, and then you got to hope that someone knocks off the team that knocks you off, eh, more times than not, you're probably not going to win that championship. Same thing goes with the referee calls. Just stop complaining about the refs. Do what you're supposed to be doing and do what you do well to win the game. You don't have to worry about the reps thinking thinking that they cheated you. Coming from someone who officiates, Derek, he couldn't have said it any better. Right. Keep going, David. Yeah, and then the last one I just just saw this uh, 
little bit ago. Special loser, Matthew Stafford and Adamic and Sue, like they were involved in an altercation on Sunday. Sue was flagged for taunting Stafford after accusing Stafford of kicking him. And I feel like this is just boiling over because both of them just suffered so much being in Detroit. They just, you know, Matthew Stafford's wife is like, we don't know why Sue hates Matthew. Like, he's the only one in the league. It's like, you guys are both in Detroit, and, you know, he spent most of his career losing just like Matthew did. It's, it's residual. Mm. Right? Like, like, the offensive guys wanted to punch the defensive guys. They wanted to fight each other in practice. They couldn't because they were teammates. Now you get a chance to hit on you, you know. Tell me how you really feel. I think that's just residual. But, and it's not. It's not like Stafford walked up to him and gave him a swift kick in the leg, or you know what. Mm-hmm. I think he was just. I think it was just more of a mountain being made out of a molehill. Right. Yeah, but it was just kind of like one of those things. Yeah. You know, like tensions are high, tempers are high, but it's like both of those guys experience a lot in Detroit. Like, like being a Detroit Lion. Like, over the last, like, 15, 20 years, it's rough, right? Tensions are high. You're not winning a lot. So any chance that you can get to see a former teammate that you played with while you were in the midst of that futility? If I was still, I would have taken a sheep tattoo. I'm like, look, man, you come out here to sunny California, get all these wins. Meanwhile, when we were, you know, going through the cold together, he couldn't do jack bleep, you know. Like, I'd be mad, too. But, but they'll, they'll figure it out. They'll, maybe they'll do a reunion, sit down for dinner. Who knows? <laughs> Anything else? Nope, that is it for my winners and losers. Really? Wow, that's not bad. Did you, now, you know that the ratings were pretty high for it. Overall, what did you think about the weekend of football this past weekend? It was a lot of great games. A lot of great games. Obviously, the only one that didn't come down to a last-second field goal with, I think it was like three, two or three seconds left on the clock was the Bills-Chiefs game that went into overtime. And that was, you know, the Chiefs went the length of the field, 13 seconds. Um, I thought they were good games, a lot of surprising matchups, a lot of games that were more closer than they needed to be, in particular thinking about the 49ers and Packers, I thought that that would be a bigger margin of victory. Mm-hmm. I thought the the Bengals, Bengals should have been easily handled by Tennessee's rushing attack, but then when you're not run, running the ball, it's kind of hard to have a rushing attack. Um, but yeah, overall, I think like University understood the Bills-Chiefs game was the best game of the divisional weekend, and yeah, it was good football. This is what people expect when you when you want to see the best teams, some good games of football. Absolutely. I mean, I thought it was a phenomenal weekend, too. My only thing was I thought there was kind of some brain-dead coaching in some of the games. Obviously, Tennessee and Cincinnati. Mike Vrabel, what are you doing having Ryan Tannehill run a zone read on third and one when you have Derrick Henry in the backfield? And you don't get in, man. Fourth down. Everybody and their brother knows that Derrick Henry's getting the ball on fourth and one. And they didn't even convert. Obviously, that ill-timed interception is what did him in. But I think if you run the ball first time on third and short, you pick up a first down, more than likely you win that game. 
I'll get to more in Cincinnati and my little take on on uh, what's coming up this weekend. And as for Green Bay and San Francisco, I mean, look, how much Green Bay has done everything, give Aaron Rodgers all the help he needs, and yet, and plus he also has a defense because everyone's like, oh, well, he can't win because his defense gives up half a hundred. Well, defense was the problem. Special teams is a problem. I don't know who the Packers special teams coach is, but I would assume that they would be likely out of a job after that debacle. Blocked field goal, blocked punt return for a touchdown. Uh, and that ultimately ended up costing you. You don't have those gaps. You win that game easily. And as for their Tampa Bay and L.A., I know that it was 27-3, and then Tom Brady said, hold my beer and watch this, which I am i can't really pin that on Sean McVay. However, Todd Bowles, what are you doing bringing a slot blitz with no help on Cooper Cup up top? You get beat, and I know Bowles likes to bring pressure, David. You've seen that many a times, but you at least got to know, hey, they're going to have to go deep on you. I know you want to make, I know you want to make Stafford get rid of the ball quickly, but still, you at least got to be prepared for them to be in case they try and go for a home run ball. And as for Chiefs and Bills, which, mind you guys, I thought was theater. <laughs> Bills score thirteen seconds left. I I, I got to pin this on Sean McDermott. You, can't, you have your kicker boot the ball in the end zone for a touchback. And, look, I don't know if Tyree Kill was back deep to return the kick or not. My, What I want to know is why do you not at least make them return it, burn some time off the clock, so that way they, you pretty much have to throw a Hail Mary to win the game or get – because if you – I don't know if they – I don't know if the Chiefs had had any timeouts left or not, David. I don't know if you can remember this. But if they, uh, if they didn't, if they didn't, you only you leave them only ten seconds, and it's left or less than that after they try and do a return. Obviously, Mahomes is going to have to chuck it deep, and if they don't, they're not able to stop the clock. You win the game. And, and also, what are you doing playing? prevent defense too when obviously it's not a Hail Mary situation with 13 seconds left. I'd say just play like I'd say play regular cover two, safety help up top. I got a friend said should have just played cover four or whatever defensive scheme, but the the Bills basically did themselves in. I know people will say, oh well the Chiefs won because they got the coin toss. That's a whole other topic for another time, but it goes back to what Derek said. Don't put yourself in that situation, and we're going to get beat. Yeah, that's what it. That's what it basically boils down to. Is that? Um, I mean, once again, great winners and losers. But the, the thing I don't, I, I don't understand is this, man. Why didn't you talk about this? Or- NFL Draft, Pittsburgh Steelers select Ben Roethlisberger, quarterback, University of Miami. I don't know how to put into words what the game of football is meant to me. 
blessing it has been. While I know with confidence I have given my all to the game, I am overwhelmed with gratitude for all it has given me. A boy from Finley, Ohio with NFL dreams, developed in Oxford at Miami University, blessed with the honor of 18 seasons as a Pittsburgh Steeler and a place to call home. The journey has been exhilarating, defined by relationships and fueled by a spirit of competition. Yet the time has come to clean up my locker, hang up my cleats, and continue to be all I can be to my wife and children. I retire from football, a truly grateful man. First and foremost, I need to thank the Lord for all the many blessings he has bestowed on me. To my wife, Ashley, our children, Benjamin, Bailey, and Bodie, you lift and inspire me and give my life purpose. I am so thankful for your love and support. I love you so much. To my parents and sister, every step of the way, your support and love has driven me to be the best and never give up. To the Rooney family, the Tall family, Coach Tomlin, Coach Cower, and all of the coaches who have poured into me, the incredible people on every level that make the Pittsburgh Steelers a special organization. Thank you for believing in me and allowing me to battle with you in pursuit of excellence. To all of my teammates and the endless friendships that I have gained, I appreciate you and our shared commitment to wearing the black and gold with pride and dignity. Putting that jersey on every Sunday with my brothers will always be one of the greatest joys of my life. To Steeler Nation, the best fans in all of sport, thank you for accepting and supporting me as your quarterback over the years. Football has been a gift, and I thank God for allowing me to play it, surrounding me with great people and protecting me through to the end. With love and honor. Thoughts there, David. What's your thoughts? I mean, 18 wonderful years given to, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, really embodying and epitomizing what it meant to be a Pittsburgh Steeler, highs and lows, a lot of those and other, you know, fan bases that want to, you know, BW Downers will bring up the sexual assault and rape accusations and allegations. Speaking of which, Chad, think, Chad, remember Chad Zuber used to call him Rapeless Burger all the time on this show, former host yeah. on here, when it was after, when it was at the main event, but keep going, David. Yeah, yeah and just uh, kind of even with, with that dark spot on his career, kind of on the field, what he was able to do, even in these last couple of years where it was considerable decline, the health wear and tear because he loved to take sacks and hits and wouldn't throw the ball away kind of because he embodied that, you know, that big physical quarterback. Um, yeah, two Super Bowl rings, a lifetime of memories. Should it have gone better in this farewell season? Absolutely. But we had those few moments of, then Magic, and for the first half of that wild card game against Kansas City, it looked like we were keeping up, but then we saw the chasm in kind of the Ben Roethlisberger era where he was the last one of that draft class still standing, oh, and right. the new generation in Patrick Mahomes. And kind of the leaps about. So when you have a quarterback that is that dynamic in Patrick Mahomes, you know, that that solid quarterback just won't last long in this league anymore. And so really 
Will he go to Camden? Who knows? You know he's going Should to Camden. Should he go to Camden? Who knows? But what I do think you mean? You, wait a minute, David. I he's going he, to Canton. Come on, dude. Why? Who? 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 Who's over there debating whether or not he's going to go to Canton? Now, may he may be. Now, will he be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Who knows? But he's getting a gold jacket. Come on. No, I mean, I think I think he will get a gold jacket, okay. but you know. You know there are going to be some people that are you know. Are well, be this isn't this that. isn't the baseball Hall of Fame. You know that's the one thing I like about all the other Hall of Fames is that not a bunch of pricks that are trying to prove a point <laughs> or you know just you know it's total a grudge. Yeah, total or, grudge. Or as, or as Jim Leland said, that it's the Hall of Fame. It's not the Holy Land or the Promised Land. Right. It's not the Hall of Character or, or moral. Support or the or, Hall of Saints, <laughs> right? Exactly. It's a museum, and you you basically need to be focusing on on the on the field of play, really. In this situation, now I understand in baseball, obviously they had their Hall of Fame votes and Barry Bonds and 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 Roger Clemens didn't get in there last time on the ballot. I think also Kurt Schilling, but at least in this one, it's 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 there's not really a lot of grudge holding. You know, Terrell Owens had some, but other than that, you know, if if you could play on the field usually you're going to get in and let's face it there's guys in that hall of fame that probably did stuff because obviously the media wasn't as big back in the day that probably has never been known and never been told so you go by what they've done on the field not what you know even though i'm done condoning what he did off the field still the fact of the matter is it's a museum and you shouldn't be petty yeah and i and i think people won't be and i think looking at his statistics that Rank, you know, top five, top ten amongst quarterbacks all time, and the fact multi, multi super, multiple Super Bowls. Um. Yeah, and the fact that he's the second greatest Steeler quarterback in, like, in the team's history. Mm-hmm. So, Ring of Honor, number retirement for sure. Is he going to go to Canton? Absolutely. And it's going to be a great day to celebrate. He's eligible in 2027, I believe. It's his first year of eligibility. And wow, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Thinking and that might that time will fly. But yeah, I had to get that in there because he, you know, he retired. Also, Matt Eberflus is the new head coach of the Chicago Bears. Whitmer grad, by the way. Exactly yeah. from the Toledo area. Also, yeah, with the University of Toledo. Toledo. Yeah. Now the question, and we talked a little bit about this kind of in the group chat. Just continuing the pattern of defensive guy. So now the question is going to be what the offense is going to look like. Some people say that Jim starts to struggle. Then it's going to be like, well, we need an offensive guy in there just to come balance. Some people say that maybe Jim Caldwell could be the offensive coordinator. Wouldn't surprise me, given the fact that Caldwell would probably come cheap, and that's just how the Bears roll. Right, and but once again, they went from offensive guy to defensive guy. That's just how the Bears are: offense to defense, and just never, never a plan, never a plan. But David, thanks for the winners and losers. Frank, can you give us a a, a taste of what you're bringing up here? A teaser. Well, after what I thought was probably the best divisional weekend that I can remember watching how I think the rest of the postseason will shape up. Will it be good or could we end up having some clunkers on our hands? No, so this is an NFL packed type of AFR show. You listen to that and more, make sure you check us out on SoundCloud and on iTunes. 
uh, WHT's After Further Review with a picture of Frank Vashner on the horse's head. Frank Vashner coming up with his segment of NFL Football Weekend. We'll be back after this. <laughs> 